Welcome to the Packet Pushers Tech Byte Podcast. It's 15 minutes of the intersection of technology and business. Today's topic is integrated remote access with sponsored NetMotion. We're going to discuss how NetMotion brings together traditional VPNs and the software-defined perimeter. Our guest is Mike Spence, systems engineer at NetMotion. Mike, welcome to the podcast. To get us started, how are you defining the software-defined perimeter and also zero-trust network access, which are two terms being used quite a lot these days? Yes, I mean, software-defined perimeters is really a, a terminology that we are we are using now as a way of creating sort of a one-to-one -one relationship between a user device and the resources that they should be accessing uh, inside or outside um, a corporate network. It's really something that's come in, into play since the shift from office-based networking into remote networking, mm. where the checks and balances you had around your, your network perimeter, you know, the standard web filters and proxy services, um, and also the physical checks that you had when you would, you know, you'd go into your office, you have an ID card, you've got to go mm. to a desk, you've got to go through security, yeah, yeah. Have, have, have really been watered down a little bit by people working remotely. You're now on networks you don't control. You don't know what the access security is on those networks. People can be connecting to hotspots. So, you know, software-defined perimeters, or SDPs, um, and what we call zero-trust network access, or ZTNA, are really sort of two, two sides of it, the same coin. Really, I think the, ch the challenge here is that most often we used to have an idea that a network was a physical thing. So when you plugged into the campus network, that was your yeah. permission. That was the zero trust. If you could plug a cable into a switch, zero trust, right? Correct. Uh, if you could connect to the Wi-Fi and it was usually just a username and a password and then we had smarter ways of authenticating to the Wi-Fi and that was some trust, but still fundamentally zero trust. But I think the transition to a software-defined perimeter is a reflection of the fact that people are no longer inside the physical bounds where there's a corporate Wi-Fi or where there's a campus network that has a physical element to it. So people could be anywhere on the internet. They could be at Starbucks. They could be at home. They could be using their neighbor's Wi-Fi, you know, whatever it takes. And I think the zero trust aspect is you don't trust the network because it's a shared public network Correct. and you have no way of validating. There's no other checks because normally to get into a branch to connect to the Wi-Fi, you've got to be near the branch or inside the branch. Or if you're connected to the campus, you've got to be physically inside. So you were relying, zero trust says, all of those trust elements that you used to have were removed. Correct, correct. I mean, you, you, you could go even one stage further with, with some people using BYO, using machines, using devices mm -hmm. that have got um, very little in the way of, of corporate uh, governance over them. You know, not, yeah. not perhaps full BYOD because that was an entirely different entirely different section. But certainly there's more in the way of people using that home networking kit that hasn't potentially been, been built, authorized, and distributed by a corporation. Yeah, for sure. So software-defined perimeter is the second part of this. Let's Now, obviously, everybody's doing software-defined. Uh-uh. To me, the immediate reaction is there's some sort of centralized software controlling what happens at the edge. So policy, privileges, that sort of thing. Exactly. There are multiple architectures in SDP. There's a couple of ways. You can have it centralized, you can have it decentralized. And um, a lot of the, the cloud access services that you'll, you'll see, see out there tend to work on a, a centralized model, which means that if I want to get somewhere, if I want to get back inside my network, if I want to access a cloud service, I have to send that data to that centralized service and mm. allow that service to, to effectively say yes or no. So this is the old VPN concentrator idea. I create a centralized VPN and it goes to a certain point and I know exactly where that point is. 
Exactly. Except you've got you've got these things running up as as hosted services now. So you know VPN as a service or, or uh, VPN as a service or security as a service almost. We we do things slightly different with the platform in NetMotion, whereby we we decentralize that decision making process. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it looks like a VPN. If you were to architect out the solution, it looks like a VPN. It smells like a VPN. Effectively, it's a tunnel, but the policy decision gets taken by the client. Uh, so we, I always thought a VPN was just a cloud on a diagram. You know, you put a little person and then you draw a line in. <laughs> I get your point, though. What you're saying there is that in a normal VPN solution, everything is centralized. And perhaps the way to define a software-defined perimeter is you've got a cloud control plane, just like you do with other software-defined errors. And the actual policies devolve to the local client. So there's some sort of agent on there which does inspection, rules. How's that work? Exactly. Exactly. We, we, we do have a sort of central policy management engine that would sit you know, in the cloud. It sits, it sits behind the, the corporate firewalls. Um, but the policy decisions are taken by the client themselves. Now, the, the beauty around um, the, the, the platform that, that, we, that we have is the granularity of those policies, the ability to define what a device and user can do, where they can access and, and how they can access it right down to an individual port level. We can, we can talk about split tunneling and, and denying access of, of, of packets originating from an, an individual application, hmm. yet allowing or tunneling different packets from the same app. So if you're thinking of a VPN in the old IPSEC model, it was all would go down the tunnel except for certain defined, you'd had to match an an access list. Obviously, matching an access list for Azure or Office 365 or, you know, something, something is not very practical in an era of SaaS. So really what you want to say is my policy says user can access uh, Salesforce, Yes, you know, or or whatever it is. And somehow um, NetMotion takes care of that for me. Correct. Correct. I mean, we we can go one stage further now. We can we can actually take in the cloud in the cloud um, hybrid models where we see most customers are sitting right now. Most of our most of our customers are have left behind that pure play VPN. There's you know nobody realistically um, is looking at having nothing in the cloud. Uh-huh. Yet right. we also at the other end of the extreme see that there are not many customers who are cloud only. Somebody yes. still has legacy application somewhere. Now that could be that they are um, uh, vertical specific applications, financial yeah. services, legal sectors where they've got practice <laughs> management, that sort of thing. So does this mean with the client on the endpoint, if I want to have a traditional VPN connection back to my corporate office where I'm accessing a traditional application, a financial services application, whatever, I can do that at the same time where I can also have a connection again from the same endpoint going out to a cloud service like Office 365 and it's not... Uh, tunneling back to the data precisely. center and back out again. Absolutely precisely. That's exactly mm. how the solution works. We, we, we can make a decision on any packet that leaves the device, and we mm. give it three options. We either tunnel it, as in traditional VPN. We can split tunnel it, send it outside direct to the cloud resource, or we can stop it leaving. We can drop that packet mm. from the device from the device level. And the beauty of it is, you mentioned Office 365 there, we can also hook into existing conditional access policies that people may have had in place because the only way to get secure access to some of these cloud resources was to do things like restricted IP, whereby mm. you know, your, your packets, even though they're going to the cloud, have to originate from inside your network. Now we can we can put rules in place that say fine we can do that. Well, let's send the authentication traffic via those restricted IPs. But for 
video conferencing, voice and video traffic, for example. I, I do I really want to hairpin that in and out? Right. Do mm-hmm. I do I want to be saturating my internet links, my my external links that were never scaled up for all of this remote <laughs> remote traffic? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of customers these days don't use the PABX and head office. They use a uh, an internet hosted PABX system. You know, some sort of SaaS call thing, and you can make your calls in and out from that on yep. the corporate service. So it gets. I guess the flip side then, as soon as we start talking about VoIP, the next question anybody asks me is visibility and analytics. Yeah. Uh, what about what are you doing in that space? Can you actually give me some some visibility as well? Yeah. This again, this is I keep using the word sort of elegance, which is quite quite it's quite a nice word. Um, but it, this is what the <laughs> rather rather. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 as you can tell, I have become very British. Yes. <laughs> um, but no, we, we can we can actually do this. And the way that the solution works, because it is a client server, because it still has that old um, or legacy VPN architecture to it, where there is a service sitting at the back end. There is a service that may be, may be sitting in cloud, but we have the tunnel and, and we keep the tunnel. What we do is, is use the policy to decide what needs to come down the tunnel. If I wanted to go to a cloud-first world, I can do that without any problem. I can just put a put a rule set in place that says yeah. bypass the tunnel for all my traffic. So well, if my accounting, if you actually manage to migrate your accounting system into AWS or Google Cloud, and you know using just lift and shift, right, then you yep. can actually just tell the client to go there, and exactly. and the policy is centrally defined, and away it goes. But do I get analytics and visibility on well, the flows? Can I can I see when it's performing well? Can I not see it? Exactly. But this is, this is why we still have the tunnel. So the tunnel still exists, whether I'm routing application traffic down it or not. But we use that tunnel connection to collect analytics from the end user device. So we can see things like destinations. We can see the application usage over time. And then we can use that analytics to, to actively feed back into the policy engine so you know that you're building policies for, for, for what users are actually doing not what you think they should be doing. Oh. Um, mm. It also gives us some some very very good insights into the the app um, and the the devices themselves, because mm. we can not just look at the traffic details. We're more than just this VPN client on the device. Um, we're we're looking at the radio stats. We can see what networks people are connecting to. So I yeah. know if you're connecting to Starbucks, or if I know if you're connecting to. It doesn't matter where you're connected to. The point is that when you're talking to the operator from the hell desk, you are able to help them and you're saying are you supposed to be connected to this wi-fi or correct exactly mm. i can i can look at what's happened i can even go down to the level of looking at what the signal strength is on your on, on the radio so mm. if somebody phones up and says i had a problem yesterday afternoon at 2 30 um the normal response is going to be well what did you do oh i just clicked on okay and away i went can you tell me what went wrong <laughs> yeah, why are you no. ringing me how am i supposed to fix this now but, well, you're, can, but you're saying you can, can do now. some sort of replay there? You can exactly. Actually... We, we can store this data. We can actually go back and look at what the device was doing, where it was. Were you in an area of low coverage? But more importantly, that we can run diagnostics on that connection. We can see from a step-by-step basis that what's going on is, well, is it the network? Do you have a network connection available to you? Yes, right. Can we see a point on the internet? Yes. Okay, can we now see the connection point you're going to be going to. No, right. Okay, so it's not your network that's the problem. Your service is the problem. Mm. Mm. And it allows you to start to pinpoint that in a much more effective way, irrespective of the network the user is actually on. 
Okay, so there's three things we've talked about. We've talked about zero trust networking, this idea of getting outside the boundaries of the traditional world. We talked about software-defined perimeter. There's some analytics capability here for the day two functionality. What about what, what are you seeing from customers in regards to remote access? Have you got some some lovely customer stories or success stories? Yeah, we we do. I mean, these obviously, are, unfortunately, for for your your international listeners, are going to be very UK centric. Oh, that's <laughs> all right, but. Yeah, working with working with a lot of UK companies over here. I mean, one of the ones I, I mentioned earlier was was things like um, internet link saturation. We have a very large utilities customer here in the UK who overnight went from went from um, a call center of five hundred people working in one building to mm-hmm. all of a sudden five hundred people working from home. Okay, now we managed to route out all the PBX traffic, all the uh, the soft phone and VoIP traffic to to their individual individual uh, laptops are now working from home. But the problem was they had that traditional VPN setup, whereby all of their network traffic was being hairpinned back in. It was coming back in through to the main network to do their customer mm-hmm. relationship man- and, and management solutions. And they were running their internet links at around 90% capacity. Mm. Those links and of course, are- you can't run, just go out and get more bandwidth added. It's a multi-month process, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. Exactly. So we, we basically worked with them. Um, and we put these policies in place. We, we broke out that unnecessary traffic. We looked at the traffic flows. We had the analytics to say, what are people actually using? How much data is coming from these users on these devices at these times? What can we break out? What needs to come, come out here? What needs to go, go direct to cloud? We wrote a nice little policy set for them. And as a result, yeah, all of their, all of their um, voice and video, internal voice and video traffic, not the PBX stuff, because that still needed to come, come out of the network. But mm-hmm. you know, when they were doing uh, group video calls, Send that to the cloud. Yeah, I can still track yeah. it. I can still I've still got the audit on it. Gra- and I think the biggest thing about this is that I've got the visibility. I can because I have the analytics. I'm not guessing. I'm not Correct. saying if I did this, I will get that. Correct. I'm I'm seeing the data and saying, yeah, I can see that 20% of the traffic here is could be sent directly to the cloud, and that would instantly solve it for this user, or you know, and then prove it across the across the estate. Exactly. Exactly. It it allows it allows you to 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 send more things to the cloud with confidence mm-hmm. yes. because you're not losing the visibility of it. And if you look at it from a threat detection standpoint, where you know, you'd normally be trying to tunnel um, internet browsing traffic, you know, you want people's browser traffic to come back through your network because the only point of of of, of uh, analytics of that traffic is tends to be you either your proxies or your web filters. Right. Um, get that flexibility. If I can still show that, okay, I'm going to split tunnel my traffic that I don't, that I don't need, but I'm still going to log it. I'm still going to say that you are. Oh, if you've spent, you know, you spent six hours today streaming videos from you from from YouTube. Mm. I can still do that, but I don't. <laughs> I don't have to bring that traffic back in purely for the basis of auditing it. And that sounds crazy, but it's true. Well, Mike, we've run out of time, but if folks want to find out where they can get more information, where would you send them? Well, we do have an SDP report um, on our site. If you want to go to netmo.io forward slash packet pushers, and you can register and download a copy. All right. That's netmo.io slash packet pushers. Get your copy of the SDP report. We'll also have that link in our show notes that accompany this podcast. Thanks, Mike, for joining us and to Netmotion for being a sponsor. Sponsors do make it possible for us to produce nerdy technical content multiple times a week and keep it free for everyone. Speaking of which, you can find this and many more fine free technical podcasts along with our community blog. That's at packetpushers.net. You can follow us on Twitter at Packet Pushers, find us on LinkedIn, and rate us on Apple Podcasts. And last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.